Section 132 of United States Senate Election Expulsion and Censure Cases, 1793 to 1990, by Anne M. Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. Case 130, Millard Tidings, 1890 to 1961, versus John Marshall Butler, 1897 to 1978, Maryland. Election case, November 7, 1950, to August 20, 1951. Issues, campaign irregularities. Chronology. Complaint received by committee, December 1950. Committee report, August 20, 1951. No Senate action. Result, Butler retained seat. Background. In November 1950, Incumbent Senator Millard Tidings, Democrat of Maryland, a veteran of 24 years in the Senate, had every expectation of chalking up yet another Maryland political victory. The conservative Democratic senator, however, had underestimated the bitter grudge held against him by his Senate colleague, Joseph R. McCarthy, Republican of Wisconsin. Earlier that year, when Tidings had chaired a subcommittee investigating the Wisconsin senator's charges that communists had infiltrated the State Department, his report described the allegations as a fraud and a hoax. In retaliation, McCarthy entered the Maryland campaign on behalf of the Republican challenger, John Marshall Butler, and, after a vicious contest, Butler upset tidings on November 7th by more than 43,000 votes. Statement of the Case In mid-December, Millard Tidings complained to the Rules Committee's Subcommittee on Privileges and Elections that he believed unfair campaign practices, as well as violations of federal and state election laws, had affected the outcome of the November vote. On January 3, 1951, the Senate permitted John M. Butler to be seated without prejudice, while authorizing the subcommittee to continue its inquiry into the Maryland campaign. After a preliminary investigation, the subcommittee on February 3, 1951, agreed to hold public hearings on the Butler campaign. Although Tidings was not officially contesting the election, the subcommittee recognized that results of the investigation might lead to efforts to unseat John Butler. The complaints centered on reports of excessive campaign expenditures, massive out-of-state contributions unlisted in the required financial reports, and attempts to eradicate records of questionable expenses. A highly visible campaign activity involved the distribution of cheap tabloids, published under false statements of sponsorship, and filled with half-truths and doctored photographs that smeared the patriotism and loyalty of Millard Tidings. Response of the Senate From February 20th to April 11th, 1951, a special bipartisan group of four senators conducted public hearings on behalf of the subcommittee. They accorded Butler every courtesy, 
allowing him to appear and make his own observations about the campaign. Among the questionable aspects of the senator's campaign had been the role played by John M. Jonkel, a Chicago public relations director whose reckless management of the financial records had resulted in his indictment and conviction in the Maryland courts. Testimony conclusively revealed that the strategy for the Butler campaign had been mapped out not only by Jonkel, but also with aggressive assistance from Joseph McCarthy and his staff. They organized a massive publicity crusade designed to convince the public that tidings bore the responsibility for the Korean War and had generally undermined American defenses against foreign enemies. In one particularly egregious example, they created a composite photograph to make it appear that tidings hobnobbed with former Communist Party head Earl Browder, and then circulated 300,000 copies of the tabloid containing the manufactured photo. After the hearings ended, the subcommittee delayed for four months before issuing its report in August 1951. When the report finally appeared, it criticized McCarthy for his role in the Maryland election. Decrying the dual nature of the political race, Butler's dignified Front Street speeches contrasted with the despicable backstreet campaign conducted by outsiders, the report faulted Butler for failing adequately to oversee his campaign. Yet, despite the subcommittee's clear recognition that John Butler had willingly permitted McCarthy to infiltrate the Maryland election with illegal financial transactions and the use of falsehoods and smear tactics, the report found there was insufficient basis to urge that Butler be unseated. The subcommittee members believed that it would be unfair to take action against him in the absence of an existing specific standard of campaign conduct. Instead, they urged the Rules Committee to establish guidelines for the future that would make acts of defamation, slander, and libel sufficient grounds for declaring a Senate seat vacant. The report also encouraged the national political parties to adopt a set of fair campaign standards. Although the subcommittee had invited McCarthy to testify, he declined to appear. He did, however, ask for and receive permission to include, as part of the committee's report, a lengthy statement of his individual views about the Maryland election. His rhetoric attacking tidings and the subcommittee's inquiry proved too much for William Benton, Democrat of Connecticut, who, after reading the report, bravely introduced a resolution calling for McCarthy's expulsion from the Senate and in the meantime demanded that he should resign. For the Senate's action on this resolution, see Case 131. The Full Rules and Administration Committee accepted the subcommittee's report. 
since it did not call for measures against Butler, no Senate action was required. Conclusion That John Marshall Butler retained his Senate seat was, in part, a reflection of Joseph McCarthy's power at that stage in his career. Although the Butler and Tidings case came to an end, Senate concerns about McCarthy's conduct would continue for more than three years longer. Miller Tidings retained a keen desire to recapture the Senate seat he felt had been unjustly wrested from him. He came close in 1956 until illness forced him to relinquish the party's nomination. He died in 1961. John Marshall Butler served in the Senate until 1963. He died in 1978. End of section 132 and of case 130.